Welcome to The Chosen Business Owner, where Michelle Real will be interviewing entrepreneurs, franchisers, and more to learn how to build the perfect business. Michelle is an entrepreneur who has over 25 years of business experience. She is excited to build a community with other driven entrepreneurs and business owners. Michelle's hope is that this podcast will inspire you to continue pressing forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner. and welcome to the Chosen Business Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Real, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Andrew McCurry, and he is the um, Vice President and Operations Manager of the Alabama Office for Father Nature Landscapes. And so I'm really excited to talk with you today. How are you doing today, Andrew? Well, I'm doing good, Michelle. Thanks for having me on your, on your show. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. So I'm excited to hear about a little bit more about your company. You and I chatted for a few minutes beforehand, but I'm excited to hear like how um, Father Nature Landscapes got started, um, how your entrepreneurial journey got started. Did you start with this company? Was this the first company you owned? Did you own other companies before? So if you wanted to go ahead and just give us a little background on yourself and how you got started, that'd be great. I would love to cut me off whenever you need to, but my journey started um, like most uh, guys in or gals in uh, the landscape industry, and that is, you know, mowing yards just to make money. And it, um, you know, had interesting jobs as a youngster, but a lot of them, you know, did not pay very well. And so the first time, you know, if you're making $8 an hour or $5 an hour, and then you get to cut a yard for $25, you just, it is it, that first yard, it just like it opens your eyes to what can be. Mm-hmm. And so I will say I started, I mean, as soon as I could drive, I started doing um, uh, lawn maintenance and, you know, landscape maintenance and stuff like that, which um, turned into little enhancements and renovations. And um, I guess when I was 18, I got my first install. I got to bid on an install and didn't even know how or what that meant. Um, but got the job and and made some money because I had no overhead and I didn't realize what I did have or did not have up until that point but um I guess by the time I was 19 I realized that I I felt like I was making a lot of money which I look back and it's not great money now by any means but it was way more than what you know my call my my friends you know were making doing what they were doing and I, I felt limited with my knowledge and so I, I felt like if I could expand my knowledge, I could expand my business because I really had a, a huge curiosity and, and passion for what I was doing. I really enjoyed being with plants, really enjoyed being with people, and somehow I wanted to connect those two worlds. Um, so I studied horticulture at Auburn University and <clears throat> got out and took a brief step in Alaska to figure out what I wanted to do after school. And um, when I came back from that commercial salmon fishing experience, uh, I met with a businessman in town that owned a retail garden center, and he wanted to start a landscape division. So I was his guy. Um, he had a great source of leads of just people coming into the garden center that um, needed uh, a consultant, a landscape consultant, to just kind of go out and 
tell them what to do, where to put things, that kind of thing. But that that turned into a just a very successful business for him. And um, so um, fast forward a little bit, met my wife, want a little bit more for my family than what I was able to do there. And um, so we left the great state of Alabama where we were both kind of born and raised and moved to Washington State where um, just through some doors closing, the door to open Father Nature Landscapes kind of revealed itself. And um, so that's where we first incorporated Father Nature. Um, even though I had called my business Father Nature as a sole proprietor while I was in and out of high school. And so you're you're currently though now in Washington and in Alabama, correct? That is correct. We um, so when we incorporated in 2009, uh, actually no, that was it was 2006. I'm sorry. Uh, we incorporated in 2006 up there, and when I, my wife and I had our first child, um, I spoke with my brother, who's now my business partner here in Birmingham, Alabama, and um, he kind of got the business going before I came back because we, he and I knew that we would both need to somehow have some type of money coming in. So um, as I was trying to get that ready to pass off to my soon-to-be business partner at Tacoma, he was getting this uh, going from the ground up here in Birmingham. That's awesome. And so tell me, so you've basically started the company twice. You started it in Washington, and then you restarted again in Alabama. That That is correct. And if people get on the website, they'll actually see that there's another location down in Mobile, Alabama. And I had helped a friend start a Father Nature Landscapes in Alabama, down in Mobile. He did most of the legwork. I just helped him with kind of the business aspect of things and the branding of things. And now we support him with the website and stuff like that. But it is no longer an entity that uh, I have any part in other than the marketing representation of of his work. That's awesome. And what would you what would you attribute your success to as far as like getting these started, like what were what were some of the key things and getting these businesses started to get them out in the public, out you know, so people knew who you were. Um, well, that, that's an interesting question because I knew not a soul in Tacoma uh, when we moved up there. Um, but just due to my personality, you know, I'm I'm I happen to be good at networking, um, and so having a I guess just the ability to, to network with people and, and know where to go to meet people and not being afraid to meet people was very important to our success there. Um, I definitely, you can never underestimate grit starting any business. Like if you don't have grit, I don't think it would be wise to even start a business because the first several months, if not several years, could be extremely difficult. Um, but I, I actually really enjoy the startup process um, and thought I was going to get bored here. And actually, I've had some seasons where it has been um, less than, you know, um, exciting here because you have to get that there's doldrums of business where you just you have to show up and you have to execute and and perform and serve and, and you just have to do it over and over again. And 
you know, in different seasons, you're provided with, you know, new enthusiasm and passion for just either people or projects. So, um, those, those two things and the grace of God, like we started that business in 2006, which was an incredible economy, but it was soon followed by 2008, which Mm -hmm. as everybody knows, kind of, uh, not a great economy to have a young business in. Um, but we were very lean at that point in Washington. And then again, we started the business down here in Birmingham in 2009, which was a even worse year than 2008, but it just did not seem like we were meeting much resistance in starting the business because of our, I guess our service offerings and who, you know, we were identifying our ideal customer as, um, a lot of those things really helped us to get through those, those years, but getting through those years also made us a lot stronger, um, as, as a company. And so what are the services that you offer? Do you do landscape design or landscape install? Do you do landscape maintenance? All we do all three of those. So it starts here kind of in what we call our design studio. Um, and then, you know, we have project managers that, uh, make sure the work gets installed. Um, and we have a service department. Um, but we, we also have a couple of side offerings like an irrigation department, a carpentry department, floriculture, and even a furnishings department. Um, and the reason we do the furnishings twofold, number one, my partner's wife is a decorator. And, uh, number two, part of our, our, like, um, our niche is, is what we call livable landscapes. Mm -hmm. And we don't feel like landscapes can be lived in without being furnished. And so, um, livable landscapes are landscapes that we can see family and friends kind of uniting, reuniting, whatever, socializing in and, um, we just feel like some of the sweetest memories come in exterior spaces because your senses are more kind of aware to the surroundings of, of wind or fragrances or, you know, sounds and things like that. So that is kind of our sweet spot. And when you, when you look at landscape maintenance, do you guys branch out and just, uh, or do you just do who you've installed landscaping for, or do you, are you out doing commercial landscape maintenance and that kind of a thing? Lots of accounts. We um, have an, about 80% of our service department, the horticultural you know, department is, is going to be residential, but some of our best customers on the residential side happen to be business owners and we will maintain some of their, their real estate, their corporate real estate. Um, but it, again, part of our service department, even our mindset behind that is we, we try to come uh, from a hospitality standpoint. And so the service department manager came from the hospitality industry where, you know, um, we really concentrate on the experience and it's more of a concierge service. So like, even though our guys don't really clean gutters, if, if, if people are hosting parties and they need gutters cleaned and windows washed and driveways pressure washed, like all this stuff happens seamlessly to the customer, even though behind the scenes, you know, there's lots of phone calls and scheduling and logistics that happen that make it feel like we are that full service, um, service department so that people can throw a party and, and count on us to party ready their, their landscape. 
So do you do all that or do you sub that that stuff out, the the pressure washing and the gutters and that kind of a thing, but it still goes through you? We sub the majority of that out, but yeah, it, go, it goes through us. That seems to be a kind of a common thing that I'm hearing as I'm interviewing people that own landscape companies and, and other, you know, home services that they, um, you get asked a lot, right? When you're out at someone's home and you're, you're doing one service, you're providing one service, they're like, Hey, do you know, or could you do, you know, X, Y, Z. And so that seems to be a, a common, a common thing that people are doing. And it's a great idea for sure. It works with the right business models. I'd say every business model, it's not going to work well with, and especially a startup. There's a lot of things that I would not touch if I was a startup because you don't have the the capacity to even manage those other subcontractors. But once you begin to, if you employ project managers, that is their job is to manage quality and manage subcontractors. And if, you know, if we can leverage our relationships so we get good pricing on things and we, you know, because we shot subcontractors, we find um, kind of that, that value curve of where we have the best price with the best quality without compromise. And that's, that's part of the job of a project manager is to find those up and coming subcontractors in the industry that really are looking for a company like ours that can provide work you know, without having to spend a lot of marketing on it. Cause all they have to do with us is just, just keep us happy and we'll send you more. Um, so when they're, they're looking at their marketing costs, you know, there, there's not much, you know, if a large part of their business comes through a service provider like us. So do you specifically go out and market for, to those two people in other industries or how do you go about finding those people that you're looking for? Uh, it's it's it is honestly it's it's phone calls and referrals um so you know part of like for instance i I heard a job got priced yesterday where we had to do some asphalt milling in a parking lot well we don't do asphalt milling and so um but we have subcontractors that do and so i gave the estimator um three names of people that i would call if i was trying to get pricing on asphalt milling and um you know he just he placed calls to those three companies and you know some companies act like it's a big deal like if you were to say hey i've got three acres of parking lot that needs to be milled well the guys that don't want to do it they're gonna it's gonna take them a long time to return you know that proposal otherwise some of the other guys on the phone that act like it's not a big deal that could turn around pricing by just getting on google earth and kind of you know verifying the measurements and being like okay well that'll take us two days here's Here's, here's a price, you know, when you look at like resistance on even working with people, a lot of that kind of determines who the, who our first encounters are with when we're entering into new lanes of work where we don't have a good experience with subcontractors. So, yeah, uh, that's, I like that. That's great. So what would you say are some of the key things that have helped you grow the way that you have and and given you the ability to help people like in these other locations to get started and be out on their own um i would say from from starting up we have a very strong brand um our brand presence when we come to a market like when we came to birmingham we came with a few trucks that were all painted like a cocoa brown with bright green trees on them mm-hmm. and people noticed 
And so we, you know, if people didn't see our trucks, we'd leave the sun because a lot of times when you're working in these neighborhoods, if the, if the husband's at work and maybe the, the, a lot of the wives work, you know, or some of the wives actually have socialized during the day and might not be there to see who's doing their neighbor's work. When the trucks are gone at approximately five o'clock in the afternoon, there's a sign there. So as the walkers go by, they're, they're seeing they're not, you know, everybody's pretty nosy when they see work getting done. So they, they, there's a sign there. And then they, that, that brand just helps to kind of build reputation. Uh, I mean, a, you know, brand recognition and your reputation, but I would also say one thing that we really focus on is building things that people want. And so what I mean by that is, um, you know, since we are more into the livable landscape, um, niche, a lot of people here in the South, just that they socialize, they throw parties. I mean, it could be a football party, a graduation party, um, you know, a gender reveal party, uh, whatever. There's lots of parties in the South. And so when you build spaces that actually entertain well, people want to know who did it. And that kind of became our thing of let's, let's design spaces like we have been in spaces like this before. And like we go to parties like this and we can critique things that most people couldn't put words to. And then we begin to design our spaces around what makes a space feel good. And um, so building building spaces that people want to have, um, that, that I think um, is really key behind the branding aspect of it. But the brand goes before you. And if you don't have a strong brand, it, it's too cheap to get one designed to not have a strong brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then do your, in your other locations, are they using your brand there? Um, the one that you opened up in, did you say mobile? Mobile, yeah. Okay. Mobile, Alabama, yeah. Yeah, Alabama. So he's using your brand, but he's yeah. just separate from you. Yeah, he's a separate corporation. He just, he, he's a, a DBA. Um, so doing business as um, Father Nature Landscapes. Um, but the cool thing is, is when our customers here in Birmingham go down to um, Point Clear, Fairhope, which are some nice touristy towns to kind of, they might see our sign or one of our trucks down there and they, we begin to appear bigger than, than we really are. Right. Yeah. And, and awesome. there's a, I think there's a confidence there when people are able to, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten photos from people being somewhere else um, and seeing one of you know, a truck from either Mobile. Um, and it, it's funny, we just had two, this is a really interesting story. We just had two of our employees from the Tacoma branch. One of them was that that part owner that I, I, I talked to you about. They were in a pub in England and ran into two customers from the Birmingham market and somehow began talking and oh, figured God. out that they worked for Father Nature and that these two customers that I work with, I mean, it's just so bizarre how small the the world is, but it's it that things like that are just really cool when they happen. Yeah, for sure. And so what what do you do to keep the culture good in your in your company? Because you have um do you have is it sixty employees or thirty? How many employees? We have sixty here in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um it starts with Monday morning safety meeting, you know, safe even even just safety as a culture um we 
We talk a lot about our core values. So on Tuesday mornings, we have training sessions for the install department. And I, right now, I lead those. And so this morning, we were talking about something called the 4P training method. And uh, it's something that they developed during World War II to train a lot of the women that were running um, machine shops and building rifles and things like that that were in some of these factories that had never really done that type of work before. And um, we were talking about like the people here at our business that actually train have a higher value than the people here that don't train. Um, and it's because one, they have the knowledge, but two, they have, um, they have the gifting of using their words to be able to explain something to another individual and to build their skill set. And so as you build someone else's skill set, as they increase in value, so does the value that we offer our customers. And so we were just talking about that because some of our, our core values as team, we're talking about how teaching relates to just your team. Um, one of our core values is growth. And, you know, when you're training people, you're actually, you're growing them. Another one is serve. And so as you teach someone, you're, you're serving them, but again, you're also using that information to serve, you know, the customer to a, a greater degree. And so it's, um, even though we, we have four other core values that we talk about, those three just happened to come up in the training session this morning and, Training and investing in our people just helps um, continue. That culture is not something you just, you can't just buy that on an ad online and just say, okay, I bought culture. We've got culture. It's something that has to be exhibited on a daily basis. Um, and as I'm recruiting, again, as soon as I get off of this call, I get on a recruiting call. And those recruiting calls are twice a week. And we're talking about how are they as a fit, you know? And a lot of the things that we use to determine if they're a good fit is like, well, who who have we had to let go recently? And why did we let that person go? Why weren't they a good fit? Mm-hmm. Even though they might've had the skills to work here, what was what what worked at their demise that actually caused us to separate ways with them? And I, I use those, I hate firing people. I really, it just, it eats me up. Um, but it, it has to be done. And I, I know there's a guy that I've, I've got a meeting with tomorrow afternoon. And the reason I want a second interview with him is because I specifically want to go over with him the things that are triggers for me that will cause me to back away from him if he doesn't exhibit like a certain kind of set of behavior, uh, behaviors that actually would integrate well with our team. And if they, if they, if he doesn't integrate well with our team, then he's not a good cultural fit and he ends up losing his job and that tears me up and it tears him up. So it's like, I try to be a little bit slower, um, on the higher side to make sure that I get out everything I need to, and I'm as thorough as possible. And I, I, I know that I'm passionate about what I do, but I never want to romanticize the position because what we do is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and for most positions in the landscape field, there's no position that get overpaid. You know, people might say, well, so if people get overpaid, no, they don't. You don't know what they do and what they have to know and how often they have to be around their phone and how responsive. I mean, there's so much that a salesperson has to do 
mm-hmm. and no and B. And even though they might make more money than some of the other positions, it is it does not go without um, effort. Yeah. And so do you have, um, where are you finding your people? Are you just, are, are you have a special place where you go to find employees or? It, it's nothing special. I think the special thing that we have is an excellent recruiter that aligns with our values. Mm-hmm. And she, she lives in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to horticulture school with her. I think she, she I worked with her at that first place of business I was telling you at that that retail garden center. Yeah. And then when I left to go to Washington, she stayed around there for a little while, I think, or, or she might have gotten hired by a church. I think she went and did some, um, the volunteer, she led a volunteer division at a church and then went and got her divinity degree. And now she's, um, she's a recruiter for us and maybe a few other companies um, there in either Dallas or somewhere out in Texas. Gotcha. But, um, she has helped us to, uh, find people and, and cull through stacks of resumes. And, um, we're like most companies. We, we find a lot of people on Indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to five people on, on Indeed, you easily have to cull through 500 resumes. Um, and that's something I don't have time to do. And she makes time to do. And she's, she's good at that and kind of puts people through some assessments. And even she wants to see how responsive people are with questions that she, she asks and things like that. And she'll, if, if she doesn't like the way that they can even communicate, um, we'll do, we move on, you know, that. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. It's a, um, I like the higher slow, um, because you, you can save yourself a lot of a lot of um, pain and aggravation later. If you can, I, I know the second part of that phrase, and we're not good at firing fast. We right. we exhibit. A, <laughs> I didn't too, want to say it. I know we we exhibit too much grace around here, and a lot of the people that have been here a long time realize that Daniel and I, I we we put up with too much too long yeah. because we we believe in people. Yeah, and we're we're. You know, coaching is not necessarily fun if people don't want to be coached. Right. Um, coaching is extremely fun for people that want to improve. That. Yeah. And, um, you know, the people that don't really want to improve or don't see coaching as a way to improve, um, it just, it gets miserable fast. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Wow. Well, so tell, tell us a little bit about where you guys are headed um, if you have any big plans for the company in the future or where, where, where you kind of see the company going or what your plans are in the near future, next five years. Great, great question. Um, next five years, we're, we're on a track to double in size. Okay. Um, and we'll continue kind of specializing in our niche of livable landscapes. Um, the way that we are going to double in size is there's enough market share here in Birmingham, like there's plenty of room to grow. Um, it really comes down to being able to handle the amount of leads that we get. And about a, a there's a four month season where we cannot, we currently cannot handle the leads. And so we just, we have to decline. Um, and so th- through recruiting, um, excellent talent is how we'll grow, but we've we also have recently purchased a soccer field next door to us, which we're expanding kind of our laydown 
area. Um, we're planning on putting a teaching facility out there that would um, allow us to, we're outgrowing our office. We've got a 4,000 square foot office and there's really not another seat for someone else to come in without it be becoming extremely uncomfortable. Um, and so we either need to expand this or think about how we are going to be able to get more people in because, you know, even we, we try to get interns in in the summer, um, some architect, landscape architect interns or something like that. And uh, currently we just don't have space for anybody else unless we put them in our conference room, which doesn't really allow us to be able to use that space for what it's designed for. But um, I, I, th I think where the industry needs to go and it's not going quick enough is training. Um, I feel like we've got a generation of um, people that people around our age, Michelle, have, have allowed our kids to grow up. However, we've allowed them, you know, society has kind of sculpted them maybe a little bit different than, differently than what we would have liked. And that they don't have the grit that either our generation or even generations you know, that are older than we are had. Mm -hmm. And this is a very labor intensive work, you know, industry. Wow. And a lot of people don't want to do labor. Yeah. And so we're going to have to to fight for um, our, our labor rates to be high among our customers, but we're going to have to deliver an excellent service. Mm -hmm. And so we've got, you know, changing what people think about blue collar workers is got to change by the business leaders and owners that run these companies, what we tolerate, what we won't tolerate, um, and how we plan on developing these people who, who might want to be with us for a career, but they don't want to be behind a shovel for a career. Right. Um, and so if they're willing to be behind a shovel and then kind of move up to the second in charge and then be a foreman and then a project manager, and then possibly, a logistics coordinator or production manager or whatever else, we've got to provide pathways for people to go in our businesses. Mm -hmm. And if we can lay that out before them and show them what that looks like, um, and our recruiter has helped us a ton with like career mapping um, and what it looks like to be here for 30 days. This is what you're going to get trained on. This is what you're going to get trained at 60 days. And here, here, this is where you should be at 90 days. Right. Um, and, doing all that type of work is not necessarily fun work mm -hmm. but it's very very important work mm -hmm. and um as business owners if we don't carve out just small increments of time out of our 50 or 60 hour weeks whatever we're working um for important work then we're never going to do the things that are going to actually get us to the next level and that is part of what i've been doing for a couple of years and it's slow to see fruit and we're probably a people of instant gratification. Like we can go and do a, a front renovation and turn around and look and it's beautiful. And it's like, woo, that dopamine's just kicking and we, we get that instant gratification. But like building career pathways does not have that same effect, um, you know. And so, um, I don't know, we've, we've got to be thinking about the long term if this is going to be more than a five-year venture. Right. Um, yeah. That's so that's so that. That's a, there's a lot of rambling there, but a, a people development is where I, if I could preach anything, it's people development, training, 
coaching continuously all the time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, well, it sounds like your company's going to do some great things. So it sounds like they already have done some great things, but it sounds like you're headed down some really exciting things in the next five years for sure. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I've enjoyed talking with you. Um, this is this has been a um, really good conversation. Um, I'm talking to you as well, Michelle. You asked some great questions and hopefully uh, some of the audience will get some uh, some nuggets out of what we've discussed today. I hope so. Yes, for sure. I, I absolutely think they will. So tell everyone where they can find you, Where where um, where's the best place to find your business and find you. You can, you can follow our work on Instagram. Um, I, I guess you, I'm not real good with social media, but um, we have someone that does that. And Father Nature Birmingham is probably what would pull up what our most recent projects are and what we're trying to portray, you know, to this Birmingham market. Um, our website is fathernaturelandscapes.com. Um, and if someone needs to reach out to me, um, I, I think in uh, about us or something, they could probably find my email there on the website as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. So enjoyed talking with you. And thank you everyone for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Thank you. All right. Bye, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Michelle's hope is that this podcast inspires you to continue to press forward on your business journey as a chosen business owner. If you enjoyed the ideas shared here, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Please share this episode with anyone you think will also find value here. You can find short video clips of the best moments from the episode at chosenbusinessowner.com and on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Keep pressing on, chosen business owners.